Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of the podcast, Transformations, where for the first time, the tables have turned. My name is Noha Ayaso, and I am your guest host for this episode, where our special guest was asked to share a personal story of transformation, and then listen back and reflect on his own experience. I am thrilled to be having a conversation with the voice, the mind, and the heart behind this podcast, Mr. Nikolai Bank. Hello, Nikolai. Hello, Noah. Great to see you. So great to be here. I actually have goosebumps. It could be from your introduction or just from, from this feeling of being uh, sort of sitting in, in the passenger seat, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to today. So thank you for having me. Well, I'm super looking forward to it as well. And I think I speak on behalf of all your listeners when I say it's great to have you here. Now, you and I know each other from NCAD, and it's been quite a journey for both of us. For everyone out there who are yet to experience Nikolai, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you, Noah. And, and thank you for the kind introduction. Um, as you said, my, my name is uh, Nikolai. I'm... I live in Copenhagen, Denmark. I'm happily married uh, with my wife, Elizabeth. We have three children. I'm a Danish native, and I think that says something about my uh, my sense of humor and my, I think, at least very easygoing style. I uh, I think I'm named after Nikolai Copernicus, uh, the explorer, and I think uh, that says something about the fact that I've worked and traveled in many parts of the world, Europe, Russia, the Far East, and... I don't know, somehow South America seems to have uh, evaded evaded me, but uh, maybe in 2023, I'll get to travel there. Who knows? Um, I have a uh, background in, in economics and, and business. I studied my MBA in, in Monterey, California, many, many years ago. And I'm currently doing my second master's at INSET, and I'm doing it with you. Um, I think... Um, a few words on my, my career. I spent most of my career uh, working in the field of, of process and organizational improvement and transformation in roles like project manager, coach, and partner to management, mainly within large companies such as Maersk and Carlsberg and Noah Nordisk that, that some of the listeners may know. And uh, in my spare time, I enjoy spending time with friends, being outside, as you know, Noah, in, in, in the great forest, outside school, building Lego, and of course, making this podcast. So uh, I think that's me. Well, thank you for that, Nikolai. On being uh, true to the spirit of this podcast, you and I had a chat about transformative experiences where you considered sharing one which was either from your personal life or your professional life. And before we get into that, maybe you can tell us with the added layer of having hosted yourself and having had conversations, many conversations with people from different walks of life about transformation. What does a transformative experience mean to you? Yeah, so I would say that's a really good question. Uh, and I think the reason why I'm saying that is that it actually caused me to, to, to reflect quite deeply. So I think for me, there there's a couple of layers uh, in, that, in, in that reply. I think for me, transformation is, it's not a one-time event. It's a, it's a way of life. So you can say in that sense, it's a, 
it's a recurring activity. Uh, at the same time, a transformative experience is something that is uh, regenerating for the individual and, and perhaps for the organization also. It can be refreshing and it can be uh, different and hopefully better. I think I've, I've been part of enough transformations where it has been just different and not just better. So I think we should always strive to, uh, to do something that's better than, than what it was yesterday. And of course, that's a, that's a very personal angle to, to take on that because what's, what's better for me may not be better to, to you or to the other person. So I think a key element of transformation is this, is this uh, I would say, almost you know, playful, uh, very sort of experimental approach, trying out different things. And I, I remember when I, when I, long time ago, when I started out this, uh, this, uh, this podcast, I actually talked about well, it was a transformative experience, and it was something that had, that had, you know, changed you in a permanent way. And actually, one of one of my uh, my guests on the show, he he, uh, he wrote back to me and says, you know, I was actually really provoked by the fact that that you can only change once. So what is this thing about permanent change? That is. You know, it's 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 almost counterintuitive. That's one of the blessings about doing this podcast is that, you know, you, I get a lot of feedback. I there's a lot of people that that respond to it, and uh, and this was something that really left the change in me. That I thought, it's not just about, you know, one time change. It's actually about something that that happens again and again and again. Something where we continuously strive to be better, both better, like, you know, persons, uh, better in in a in a business sense. But that we that we take a more holistic approach also in in how we will work. Well, to what extent do you think these conversations that you've had have influenced how you define transformation? I think they have not only influenced how I define transformation in my you know in building and expanding my own knowledge and understanding, but actually also uh, changed me as a person. And particularly, there was a, a, a there was a, a one episode where the guest talks about the element of service, about being uh, selfless, about, you know, building the aspiration of others. And I think that was really an opportunity for me to really widen my own perspective and understand that transformation is is not just something that, it could be that it starts within you, but it impacts so many people. And uh, just recently, there was a person that wrote to one of my guests and, and uh, shared how their experience had been after listening to the podcast. So it does make a difference. It has a profound personal uh, personal impact on people. And that's why I, I love to hear the stories. That's why I started the podcast. That's why I'm a little bit anxious sitting on the edge of my seat now. Um, but uh, so far, it's been a good experience. So thank you, Noah, for making me feel comfortable. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, Nikolai. And I think this is a great segue for us to get a sneak peek and listen to some of your transformative experiences. Which one did you like to share with us tonight? Yeah. So, uh, and now I really get goosebumps here, uh, and it's not just because it's uh, zero degree weather outside, but um, I think as most of my guests, um, I had one story in mind during our initial conversation. That story centered around a very formative experience I had when I was 15, uh, having the opportunity to travel far and wide in the US, uh, seeing uh, the country from a very, very different perspective in a, like a cross-country journey. And then I thought, 
that's interesting and and that, that was interesting for me but that's actually something that i've really labored on something that i've worked to understand and something that has had a profound impact on my life so that's a quote-unquote good experience but then i thought you know what is something that that maybe i could use the format to help me sort of unlock what actually happened during that experience and that is actually the uh, the story and the experience that led me to INSEAD. And um, y- you may know this, but a few years ago, I was working as a, as a consultant, as an external consultant, alongside uh, ex-Toyota uh, people. And uh, so I have uh, a background in lean management. I've I worked as a coach and partner uh, in many different roles within the lean community. And uh, ca- having the opportunity to work uh, alongside the uh, former employees of, uh, of Toyota, especially person called Donald Finn um, was really uh, an opportunity for me to to try out and and really to to challenge myself so I started working for this customer uh, in the first week and we were working six days a week I found myself every night to spend between three three and a half hours to prepare so that means that I would leave the hotel at 730 in the morning we would come back at 630 at night then I would work out eat talk to my family and then I'd spend every evening between nine and midnight plus to basically prepare for, for work for the next day. So this goes on for, for six days and we're sitting in, uh, in a bar somewhere and, and I ask my project manager, you know, is this what it's like? And then he says, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, I, I find that it's, it's super challenging to, to spend this much time every night to prepare just to be able to do a good job. And uh, he says, well, you know, Nikolai, you're here because you have the right thinking way. That's something that's very difficult to teach to people, but you're here because we feel that you can do the job. And I said, okay, thank you. How about the three hours? And he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. But in my experience, I would say maybe something like 10 minutes would be a good number to look at. And so that's a typical bike Toyota challenge. And uh, maybe it was just because I was exhausted at the time, but I find it very difficult to, to sort of understand the gap between three hours and, and 10 minutes, right? The, the, the target is too far. So I said, well, you know, in that case, I, um, I would like to quit. And then he says, okay, well, you're of course free to quit, but you're also welcome to stay. If you decide to stay, I promise that I will coach you every single day that you stay. So I thought that was an, an, an interesting proposition. And uh, I ended up staying for eight months. Uh, a lot of other things happened and, and I left the company. And uh, I like to, to, to think back and, and, and say that I got it down to 12 minutes. So I went from three hours to 12 minutes. And you know I'm, not, I'm still not really sure what actually happened. Did I get lazy? Did I, uh, did I find out what to look at? Did I understand the business better? Did I get smarter? You know what actually happened and I and I think that's that's the story uh, for today and I just to add on a few more words on that because I have actually thought about this for some time is that you know I think on the positive side I found at least that it's possible to improve much more than you think but to have an, an external some sort of a, a character some you know something that can help you see what's actually possible is something that have proved immensely useful for me and I think at the same time, there's sort of a counterbalance that as a participant in the change journey, you need to understand at least some of the change that you're going to go through. Because if not, it will be a bridge too far. It will be too difficult. 
so that's my story. Nick, you know that I can listen to you talk about your stories and share your experiences for hours. And I think listeners will agree as well. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Now is my personal favorite time of the show. And I speak as a fan. Through the wonders of modern technology, we will experience time travel. I will now snap my fingers. And when we come back after the break, Nick, you would have had the opportunity to listen to yourself, sharing your experience, and then we will get to hear your reflections. and a week later. Welcome back, Nick. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling really great. Um, this is just after Christmas when we're recording this, but I've really been looking forward to today. I think what's unique, and my curiosity levels are off the roof, as you can probably imagine. What's unique in the setup that you and I have going on here is that your role has been dramatically switched from host to guest. How was it listening to your own recording? So I could definitely recognize uh, the person and the story. And at the same time, so that was my, so we say my personal experience uh, from a, can I say from a host perspective in my, in my old role, it sounded like a normal story. You know, it sounded like a story that one of the other guests would also share. So in that sense, I think it fits the format well. I tried to set it up to have to do more of an exploratory session. And I think uh, that I think was was interesting because it, that really, uh, I'm not gonna say forced me to reflect, but it caused me to reflect. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt that that as I was listening back to it, there was a, there was a, a lot of recognition and there were, there were still many things that are unresolved, but um, hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, a good discussion today and maybe you can help me further on my, on my journey. So maybe we can deep dive right in. Mm. What struck me in listening to your transformative experience was that you said that you wanted to use this format to perhaps help you unlock the story that you shared, that mm. experience. What comes to mind, having had the distance of created this reflective space and you being able to listen to the story at a distance? Yeah. What did that trigger for you? Yeah. So, so I had I, I had a couple of, uh, of of visits to the recording. Uh, one immediately after uh, after our discussion, I actually listened back to it just to see, you know, sort of like a should we say like at a sense making level, you know, am I completely uh, off the roof here? Does it make sense? And uh, I think uh, the story resonated well with me. I could recognize what was being shared. And then uh, this morning, uh, about two hours ago, I actually listened back to it again. And maybe with the power of distance or through EMC, I don't know, but I sort of decided to organize my thoughts along uh, like a series of like mental shelves. The first shelf I want to address is, uh, is that the transformative experience had a huge impact on my understanding of self because I, I actually realized that it's it's not about having just one particular situation it's about that that we can actually grow and develop uh, through the experiences that we have what was my specific self-understanding in that role uh, i think changed vastly during during that experience 
So I think that was my first uh, uh, shelf, so to say, the shelf of self, so to say. Then the second one is actually related to my role. As I listened back to it, I heard myself saying, you know, I was in this position, I was working as a consultant for that particular moment in time. But actually, the relationship that I had, that I had with my, with my uh, then coach uh, was something that had, had developed over a number of years. We had actually spent, I think, about six or nine months sharing a small desk. And I mean one that's probably less than a meter in width. So he and I, we, had, we have been physically close together and we spent a lot of time together. So that to me means that he had an access to me, uh, both at a, at a personal and, and, a, and a professional level that could help me impact my understanding of role because he had seen me in different roles. And one of the things that I realized during, uh, during my reflective period here was that I had a, initially a very static understanding of role and he had a very fluid understanding on the concept of, of role. And I think um, in, in, in hindsight, and we know hindsight is uh, 2020 and all that, one of the things that really surprised me, and I think one of the things that really led me to growth was that, uh, and that's one of the things that I've taken with me since, is that we may initially start a conversation in, in one place with a specific understanding of role, but at the same time, during the course of a conversation, that can be 15 minutes, that can be 15 months or 15 years, that role can change. And I think it's whether or not we are open, willing, able and capable to actually do something about that, then we can grow so much. So I think what initially caused me to say I quit was that I had a very spe specific understanding on role, that, that I had I had no uh, realization of how much I could actually impact the role. Whereas his understanding of the role was, you're here to do whatever it takes in the most positive sense of, of that sentence. So I think that's my second uh, shelf, the, the impact on my specific role. The third uh, element that I want to get to is actually the impact on, uh, on the system itself. There was something about me having a very static understanding on that this was the system that we were operating in. Actually, it turned out that everything was up for grabs. Anything could be changed. Anything was was open for discussion if you were willing to go into that discussion and if you knew that that the discussion was available. And I think I came out of a previous position that was very sort of rank and file. And then I was thrown into a very uh, a, a client that operated in the same way, but with a consulting organization that was extremely fluid. And, you know, there, there was no uh, time or energy, no expectation to actually check in with your project manager. You were actually always, you know, in full control of whatever area that you had. So whatever it takes, you know, get the work done. And I think it, it, it took me a little bit, uh, you know, it certainly took me more than six days to, to realize how much can actually be done but I think that's one of the things that I've also carried with me afterwards is that I really go into any position, into any task, not being stopped by anything that we could actually discuss. And then sometimes that means opening new discussions. Sometimes that means, uh, you know, creating new uh, concepts, having novel thoughts and ideas. And really led me on this path of, uh, you know, breakthrough thinking, which is something that I practice today in, uh, for instance, in... Uh, uh, when working with something like a Hoshin Kanri or strategy deployment, where breakthrough thinking is the norm of the day. So I think that that really set me on that path. 
the last element I think is uh, is relating to to purpose, and I think that is both in terms of organizational purpose, but also in terms of my personal purpose. But there are certain elements that I initially thought were either uh, off task or were uh, you know off responsibility or were uh, off the subject basically. I then found out, uh, let's say that if this is uh, then uh, day eight and we just finished uh, day six, I really found out that everything was on the table. You know, ha- having a particular job is not about doing a particular job. It's about bringing your whole self to work. Everything that 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 is in your history, everything, all the experiences that you have. And then, we, you know, there's a lot of boundaries about how personal you want to get, how much you want to share, whether or not it's relevant, how can it have an impact and all those elements. But certainly, I think there's something about that, that we should bring our whole selves to work. We should not deny anything uh, to, to, our, uh, to ourselves. But we should also, of course, be in mind that, that they should have a, you know, a fruitful impact on the purpose that we're trying to serve. And I think after the, the discussion that I had with my, uh, with my project manager, I actually found out that I actually had a lot to bring, uh, things that I had been uh, you know, denying myself um, that I thought would create a lot more value uh, if I brought that with me to the workplace. And especially because we were working all these, uh, you know, long hours and, and we were spending a lot of time together. You know, you're never not on the job when you're together with one of your colleagues. At the same time, you're never not yourself when you are with your colleagues, right? So, you you know, why not just be yourself the whole time instead of trying to put on some sort of different mask or, or, or role? So, so uh, as I said, you know, initially just before our, our call, I did make a few notes uh, following the conversation, right? And I you know the five elements were, you know, the impact on the self, the impact on the role, the impact on the system, and and the impact on the on the purpose. So, um, so I think for me, it really did help me organize my my thinking about the 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 value that has uh, been created by this transformative experience for me. My thoughts are drawn back to your understanding of a role where you viewed it as sort of static, whereas you were led to see that it's not static, it's actually fluid. Mm. I'm very much drawn to that idea. And I'm wondering if you can help me understand what that means. I think there are probably some, some specific learnings from this experience that, uh, that I can take, uh, that I can try to bring forward. Uh, there is definitely the element of working in, a, in another culture both in another national culture, in another uh, com- company culture. I think those are some of the elements that talks back to the to the expectations uh, about the role. I think that's that's one setting. Now, for me, I was very familiar with this uh, country and this nationality in mind. I'd actually spent more than twenty years of my life, you know, working and and uh, you know trying to understand that 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 culture. That may have been difficult for others, but but that was not what was difficult for me. I had colleagues that never came back from the first rotation because it was just too difficult. Some of the elements that that helped me understand and, and I think be more successful in this role was actually to understand that there are several layers in at least in this particular organization and in this particular culture, there is like a front office and a back office. And that means that there is always something else at play. And it, and, and I I had like a a theoretical understanding of that you have like the doers and then you have like the enforcers. I, I sometimes describe it as the difference between 
leaders and managers. And and I think once I understood that, that helped me, you know, put a frame of reference in in you know how do I best engage with this particular client? Because they were, you know, you had to communicate at, at, at two different levels. And what was needed for the leaders was not what was needed for the managers. We had some people that, from the client side, that operated in a very, very particular way, and we needed to uh, to be able to to handle that. And uh, the responsibility I, I had was, was for um, uh, two areas, each with a size of about 300 people. So it was not possible to be present and know everybody at any given time. And at the same time, there were some very physical restrictions that I could only move in particular buildings with my translator and with my escort from the company. So this was a high security company. So I would basically, I may have shared this story before, but the listeners don't know this. The, so the routine would be that I would come in the office in the morning, I would go through speed gates like at the airport. I would hand in my computer and my phone and my bag, and I would be frisked to make sure that I didn't carry uh, any sort of uh, signaling devices or anything. And then together with my translator and my escort, so my escort from the company, we would walk to an elevator. Everybody in the elevator would be told to get out and I would be told to get in together with my translator. I would be taken to a specific floor and on that specific floor, I would be escorted to a room and that's where I would be. So. You know, how do you understand an organization when all the doors around you are physically locked? When when the only way that you can actually understand is by engaging people, but you know, you have no physical access. And I think one of the things, and maybe that's a, a positive onset from my uh, curious mindset, is just to ask questions. Basically, how do things work here? How does How does work actually get done? How do you know if you're successful? What sort of goals do you have? What sort of activities do you complete? To what standards? By what standards? Uh, using what systems? What tools? Uh, you know, what actions? What behaviors are we looking for? So it's like doing a, almost like a diagnosis, which is, you know, healthy, right? So that's what we go to the doctor to get, and the doctor says something like, okay, uh, Nikolai or, or Noah, so what seems to be the problem? So it helps us go from this sort of, these higher layers to these root cause analysis to these more fundamental understandings of the problems that we have. And I think having the, the patience, which is not necessarily one of my biggest virtues, but even just holding out one or two days or one or two hours or one or two minutes, just trying to understand what is actually going on, I think really set me up well because it showed that I was deeply, profoundly interested in what were the client's problems. And I think that led me from having like this expert role saying, here's what I think you should do to tell me about the problems that you have. And I think that's what consulting is. Then we consult. Other than that, it's just telling. And I think telling is just saying, here's what I did last time. There's probably a 90% chance that it'll work 80% of the time. Already there, we have a pretty low, uh, low hit rate. And I think consulting and being a partner is about having an active conversation. And that means there are many things that I don't know, but I don't know what I don't know. So you have to help me understand. And I think that really resonated well with some of the the people from the client side. There were others that did not enjoy that. And I can say I had, I think about two months into the project, it was like a Friday afternoon, four or 5 p.m. I was literally cornered 
by five persons. So I had my tactical or our tactical implementation plan behind me, and I was in a corner, so much so that both my elbows were touching the wall. And these five persons came up to me, and they uh, proceeded to interrogate me about all things lean, which is uh, what I was supposed to know. And uh, this went on, I think it went on for like two, two and a half hours. And then after two and a half hours, they just stopped. So it was like a, like a beating, like a schoolyard beating. And uh, then they stopped and they said, okay, thank you. And then they left. And I was just, you know, it wasn't that hard, but it was certainly a sense of me saying, okay, was that it? And it was like a rite of passage. So after that, I was never asked about my qualifications again. I was never asked about whether or not I was a qualified partner, but that was their way of sort of vetting. So, you know, extremely brutal environment. You can put on the understanding hat and say, well, you know, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get the job done. This was certainly one of those cases where whatever it takes. And I think then you can discuss whether that's normal, uh, whether that's something you would expect. You have also shared some of the experiences you have had working as a, as a consultant. You never really know, right? But you do know that you have a task. And then I think one of the things that we should remember is that we should remember who we are and how we do our job. And we have, there's a lot of boundary setting going on. I've certainly walked away from my own fair share of engagements. I personally have very strict limits about what I want to work with. For instance, there are certain products, weapons, for instance, uh, cigarettes uh, is certainly uh, something that I choose not to work with. I have worked with pharma. I have worked with, um, you know, many other uh, products, uh, lifestyle products. And I'm sure other people have other limits. But I think it's important that we actually remember ourselves so we don't get lost. And I think then we can, we can stretch and exert that role. We can, we can think about what is it that's difficult here and then continue to challenge that. And I think especially having the, the impact on the system is really something that I find to have the most impact. And I think one of the things that my coach helped me to do was actually to, to help to see my activities, my performance from a distance, from, from outside than myself. Now you and I know the expression of moving to the balcony. Moving to the balcony is a lot more than just holding up a mirror. It's also about providing perspective. It's also about having the ability to, to compare and contrast, say, hmm, what is it that I'm seeing here? What is the audience's or you know, the client's reaction? How does this fit with everything else that's going on on the stage? How does it fit with the other quote-unquote actors to, to stay in that metaphor? And I think that was the value of having daily feedback. The daily coaching session that I talked about was really to, to, uh, to, to be able to, to get that view from the balcony every single day. It was 30, 40 minutes every single day. And, you know, I think it certainly made me a better person. Uh, it, uh, you know, I certainly feel that I have a, a lot more impact. I'm, uh, in that sense, it helped me grow my, my confidence. But I think most importantly, it helped me grow my self-understanding. Because if you can teach somebody to get a view from that balcony or even get that perspective, ask other people for it if you're not capable to do it yourself. That's so valuable, right? Because that means that you will learn something every single day from every single interaction. And hopefully you will get better. So Nick, you mentioned that's an important factor, also a, a transition 
to that change that you experienced was the coach that gave his time to talk to you every single day and and had a huge impact for you why do you think you responded well to having that coach yeah i think that's a really good question uh, and I, i think on the surface there is um there is definitely something uh should we say a, a selfish uh, response which is it's great to have that attention so i think that's definitely one thing and i think another part and maybe more importantly is that it allowed me to have the specific focus every single day so i didn't need to think about being able to to do specific activities or really to think about oh how's this working out because i always knew that i had somebody that had that view for me so it really allowed me to just do what i do well and at the same time uh, knowing at the end of the day that i would i would be able to uh, to get that feedback so it was like having you know like a bigger brother with you or somebody that was like and i mean that in the most positive way but to have somebody that 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 looked out for you and at the same time it felt very safe uh, you know i knew that that person they would not catch me maybe in the moment but maybe they would catch me right after uh, and 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 i would not i would not go that that far astray but i would always be on the path so that was i think really worked well for me listening to you talking about the environment that you went in where it's highly structured highly um you know heavy on security you talked about going through security checks being frisked people mm-hmm. asked to leave the elevator before you went in uh being isolated in a room mm-hmm. now that gives me the feeling of you know a context which is quite rigid and i'm wondering what do you think is the impact of that on you unconsciously and how that affected your conscious behavior yeah yeah i think that's a really good question um i may say uh, that i i was uh, used to working in uh, that type of environment uh, so having worked in uh, you know within uh, security and within defense areas before and i think um, my immediate reaction is that i was more i would say something like cold i was more distanced from whatever recommendations and analysis i was uh, i was asking to do it wasn't about people it was about numbers and i think um the interesting thing was when we first when we presented our first analysis the um, the the customer in mind uh, actually rejected the initial analysis and uh, they uh, asked for a more uh, context focused uh, analysis so one that actually brought people uh, and faces of of the people names of the people forward and not just numbers so on the one hand you know you're working in a in a in an organization that's literally i mean imagine uh, um an office area that's maybe 40 50 meters long and you have doors on either side doors that are locked physically locked so you have no access and at the same time behind those doors and as we found out i remember going into one office it was very warm in there i think it must have been like uh, you know high 20s or something in there and the room was filled with like huge palms like palm trees like huge palms and you know so here you have this very cold scenery on the one side but once you open the door and go inside there's like a whole ecosystem brewing in there 
and like literally uh, brewing and 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 the people in there had been there for you know 30 40 years so that is you know that is history and that is that is culture but what was being what was being uh, reflected to us and what were we what we were initially presented with was a very cold and barren view you know this is what you need to do this is the way it should be and at the same time the way that the organization actually worked you would say beneath the surface was extremely context heavy and was extremely laden with personalities uh strong colorful personalities um unfortunately i'm i'm i cannot share uh, any details I, i would love to do that but uh, I, i can't do that um but it was you know there were so many am- amazing persons and surprising persons also uh and personalities and 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 i think once we began actually physically unlocked the doors once we physically engaged with people it, it it gave us a much more you know content content rich and 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 context heavy uh basis through which we can actually make the analysis and also the the subsequent recommendations so instead of saying you should close xyz it was about you should actually have collaboration between xyz you know we began to understand what are the different capabilities what are the different skills and personalities at play instead of just saying okay you got 300 people over here you got 2000 people over here you know what you should do is so and so and so we actually thought about how do how do these different units actually come together in the best possible way to create value instead of having instead of playing the numbers game which is really you know from a consulting perspective i find it a bit boring and dull not challenging and at the same time you know moving to something where we where we had a genuine interest in the people that were actually there right and and also began to well first of all we began to understand you know what is actually going on and i think and you know you, you may have had similar experiences but once you sort of get beneath you know the first couple of 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 layers of 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 pink coat or beneath the armor there is something else there right and i think we should we should take the time to uh, to actually really be curious about that i think you know for me personally that's that's one of the biggest concerns with this whole uh, post covid situation is that you know i for one certainly enjoy the flexibility of of working from home but we do miss the water cooler uh, talks we do miss um uh, having lunch together we do miss uh, the check-ins in the elevator or on the train you know you don't get that here you get whatever seven, eight, nine hours of pure efficiency right and then and then what and then we can try to have a team bingos and 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 stuff like that but it's always there's always a screen between us and it's it's it it, it never feels you know real it, it and you you never have like off the cuff uh, remarks and comments right so i think there's a there's a huge uh, challenge ahead of us to to try to find a balance between having a hybrid workplace and then still be able to have you know real engaging conversations and because we do know that you know one of the top two factors that people uh, you know stay at their jobs and actually switch jobs also and indeed companies is to have good colleagues well how will you know if you if you see them sometimes only on the screen or you know maybe physically just a few days a month you know i think we need to really spend a lot more time on on uh, how do we engage uh and and learn a lot more about each other because you know that's what's different you know the the schools are pretty much the same 
uh, the, the the different uh, terminology, the different practices, HR, finance, marketing, you know, it's not that different, right? So what's different? The people are different, right? Their experiences. So I think that's really something that, that I have taken with me also. And maybe in a sense, that's what really, that was the trigger that kind of changed the experience for you. It's breaking those boundaries, opening that proverbial, figurative and literal mm -hmm. door and mm -hmm. having a conversation with the people behind that door. Yeah. And I have to say, it feels like listening to you, it feels like there's an abundance of learning. It feels almost like an aha moment, which is coming through in your energy, in your voice, in listeners won't be able to see, but even in the posture that you're holding right now, it feels quite profound, this extent of learning. So Nick, if you were to give your younger self a piece of advice, mm -hmm. print something on a t-shirt or send younger Nick a bumper sticker to put on his car, what would the t-shirt or bumper sticker say? Yeah. I, I, and I think, and here I'm, 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 I'm probably going to go the way uh, of, of some of the other guests, uh, you know, because the, the other guests they have sometimes told me that it almost feels silly that that you want to say something that's that's really simple. Uh, but I think I would I would also go with something not silly but maybe simple, which is you know to go with the flow. Uh, you know, don't overthink it. And I think uh, certainly, you know, certainly we can spend a lot of time on on procrastin uh, procrastination, right? Going back and forth, and what if, and it could be, and how about, and what so, and but at the same time, I think one of the things that that I have learned certainly through the, the this rigorous part about experimentation and learning is, you will never know until you try, right? Up to that point, it's really just uh, you know hot air and you know ambitions, uh, you know written on a piece of paper, but you know, nothing speaks as results, you know, and then afterwards we can, we can discuss whether or not we achieve the right results, but then we, we can stop arguing about whether or not it's possible because I just did it, you know, so there, there's no need to, to argue whether or not it's possible because here are the results. And I, I can maybe just share an example, um, what, one that actually caused me uh, to, to really re rethink a lot of things, but in uh, 2022, I had uh, the great privilege to uh, to uh, work with uh, an element of um, of, of lean uh, that we called uh, Kaizen. So there's this Kaizen event, and we were in, in in the company where I'm employed. We were looking to work with Kaizen, looking at sustainability. So, so how can you apply the Kaizen mi uh, mindset in order to uh, get a more environmental sustainable business? And traditionally. Within lean thinking, you always have a particular goal. You want to reduce lead time, you want to improve quality, uh, you want to increase productivity, you always have a particular goal. And then the, the hypothesis was, or the working question was, what if you just put sustainability first? So whatever you do, whatever part of the operation you look at, can we make this more sustainable? More sustainable. So it's more like a, like a hazy cloud rather than saying that we want to go from 14 minutes to six minutes, you know, and we want to do this and we want to change the layout and the role. And so it was a much more open in the question. So um, 
I had this idea from 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 working with one of my good friends, uh, Johan Bolin, who had who has worked, uh, you know, spent seven years in in in, in Volvo uh, construction equipment, uh, working with with green energy, and he's actually going to be a later guest, uh, I can say. But uh, he, when I visited him uh, last year, he, he told me about this idea about working with uh, sustainability and and lean, trying to combine those two things. So I said, okay, great, let's try it. And um, uh, we found a team uh, uh, in Poland. We found a, 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 a business area, and uh, we had everybody prepared, and we had some data to get started. And on the, the evening before, um, I was super nervous, and I was actually so nervous that I, I literally got down on <laughs> on my knees and prayed to the big uh, lean god in the sky. And this is not something that happens very rarely uh, or very frequently, right? It maybe happens one every 10-15 years or something. But I was really thinking, and I, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't concerned about whether or not, um, you know, what would be the result. I was more concerned about whether it was actually possible, because I knew that the next morning I would be standing in in front of everybody saying, "This is what we're going to be doing," and and it is possible. But I had a lot of doubt at that time. Uh, so uh, I had a little conversation uh, with a person upstairs, and uh, I had a very good night's sleep. The next morning, went in, uh, set my piece, and then I basically left the room. And so when I left the room, I basically left people to actually think about what is what is to be done because I had just told them that it was possible. And then that really led to a, you know a series of thinking, a series of activities. And you know we did actually prove that if you put sustainability first, one, it is possible. Two, if you do that, you get all the other KPIs. Right, you do get because if you take material out of, out of, uh, out of your your processes, well, you know it's a simpler process. So you have shorter lead time. It's easier to train. It's easier to learn. Fewer moving parts. Higher quality. Higher productivity. So it was really that proof of concept. But I think it was, it was, uh, you know, it started with the fact that that we said this is possible. We had zero data. We had a good ambition, but we we had to try it. Instead of we, we could have argued for six months, is it possible? Will it work? How can it be? What will we find? Well, how about just doing it, right? How about just going with the flow? Just you know, press play, and you know, see what happens. You you always learn something, right? So I, I think I've really taken a lot of learnings with me from from the experience that I've had. The listeners can't see this right now, but I'm smiling ear to ear. I think I've been fueled by your own enthusiasm and I'm right there with you. Energy levels are really high and I'm extremely drawn to what I feel are the two emerging themes here and in what you so generously shared. The power of a conversation and you'll never know until you try. Thank you very much, Nick, for sharing your experiences. And thank you for asking me to be the guest host. This has been an incredibly enriching experience for me. I've enjoyed it thoroughly, and I'm sure listeners will as well. I hope I was able to carry the heavy burden of responsibility and being true to what you have established and really creating this platform where people get an opportunity to not only share their stories, their experiences, but perhaps more importantly, to be able to reflect on them. Mm-hmm.
you everyone out there for listening to this very special episode of Transformations. Nick and I both hope you enjoyed it very much. Remember to like, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And stay tuned for more episodes to come. I know I am. Thank you.